It is good to see everyone this morning. We're glad you're here with us. Uh, what a wonderful time to be at Dayspring. Exciting new things about to happen. Uh, really, just wonderful things. And so it is good to be here. Our scripture text today is found in Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. Talking about the disciples at this point. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So I think I could just say ditto to what David said this morning in the welcome and call to worship, and you'd have the sermon. We want to talk about service this morning. Our text today finds us with Jesus as the cross is looming for him, and he's gathering with those closest to him for the last time. We might surmise, and I think correctly so, that Jesus' understanding of the path he was walking was imminent to him. I would guess that on this evening he's wanting and hoping for some companionship, some comfort from those closest to him, a little bit of empathy. And I would guess also one last opportunity to explain to his disciples the essence of who he is and why he's come to this point and why he's on the path that he's supposed to be on. Instead, as we know, immediately after sharing his heart, his very self with them in the reinterpretation of the, the Passover meal as his giving his very life as God's Paschal lamb for them, him being the suffering servant of God, the disciples get into a dispute, not how we can best help Jesus, not how can we support him, but which one of us is the greatest? Peter would probably say, you know, it's obviously me. Uh, John might say, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, well, I'm the one that Jesus loves. And so they get into this battle about which is to be the greatest. And Jesus, on this night of all nights, has to teach them once again what he's been trying to teach them now for three years, what it means to be great, and what it takes to find purpose and meaning and fulfillment in your life. This, this is the, the second, second time for this argument. David noted that, that Luke has moved it, and he has. But Luke also records this in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus tells them that he's going to die, that he must suffer. And immediately they get into an argument about who's going to be the greatest. They hear that as saying Jesus is going to come into his kingdom, and if he's going to come into his kingdom, I want my part. And so they get into this fight again here in Luke 22. And so Jesus instructs them once again what it means to be great. And, and how do you measure greatness? And from their perspective, and the perspective of much of human history down even to today, it is an irregular metric that Jesus lays out for us. Last week, you may remember, I'm sure you do vividly, that uh, I had to look up what I talked about. But, but last week, we talked about an unbalanced scale when it comes to compassion versus orthodoxy. This week, Jesus is really talking about a measure, a metric for measuring greatness. And it seems just as strange as that unbalanced scale. 
for what matters in terms of how we live our faith. Despite how unusual it is, it seems that Luke is implying the measure of greatness is one that applies not only to this moment where Jesus is talking, but to all generations. The key to understanding what Jesus wants the disciples, and maybe even those of us today who would call ourselves disciples of Jesus, what he wants us to learn about greatness is found in those words that Jesus says at the very end of this passage. But I am among you as one who serves. How can that gel with being a king in a kingdom? This is so counter to how we evaluate greatness. They saw Jesus as a coming king, and therefore they could see greatness. A ruler who would say to people, jump, and they would only ask what? How high, right? And they saw Jesus wielding that kind of power. And they saw Jesus also going to really put down those people who've been causing trouble. He's going to beat up some people who need some beating up. He's going to teach those Romans what's going on. This is how they're seeing it. And this, and this is, is how, how we, we tend to measure greatness in the history, history throughout history and down to today. By being able to make or to get people to do what we want when we want. Those who are thought to be great are the ones who get served, not the ones serving. And so strife rises among the group of disciples because when vying for greatness, you can only have one person at the top. You know, we always always said in our office, there's there's only only one boss. There's some minor bosses, but there's only one boss. We know who calls the shots. And so that's the way it is. If we can only have one on top, we all know it's got to be me, right? And so they talk about greatness and striving for it. And anytime you have that conversation, it always goes to where the disciples are. They are having a dispute. In In nice nice words, we would say, or in in common language, we would say they're having an argument, a knockdown drag out about who's the greatest. And voices are beginning to raise a little bit. What do you mean at you? It's got to be me. Look at my skills. Look at my abilities. I'm the only one that could be on the top. I find it an interesting phenomenon that we ascribe the concepts of greatness and purpose and meaning and fulfillment of our lives to people who have the ability and the role of being served due to their position, their perceived power, or their wealth. And so somehow those things and greatness go together. If you can make a billion dollars, you must be great. If you can command an organization of a lot of people, you must be great, and you must be fulfilled. And your life must have real purpose and real meaning to it. We've been led to believe that if we want lives that really are fulfilled, lives in which we really find meaning and purpose, we have to achieve greatness as the world defines it. To be the one who serves versus the one who has served is somehow to live lives that have just a little less meaning, a little less purpose. They're even maybe even just a little less valuable than the others. Our culture is there, is it not? How do we measure greatness today? Look on your phones right now. How many followers do you have? Is it millions? Tens of millions? That's how we measure today. As though somehow being a celebrity, being a personality, having followers makes you great, makes you fulfilled, gives your life real meaning. What a tremendous disservice to everyone. It negates the value and the needs of the server, the ones who are following. It says you're here just to accommodate me to make make me feel feel good, 
to tell me how wonderful I am. I always joked that when I became CEO of the United Way, I didn't realize how smart I was and how funny I was until they announced I was the CEO. I became brilliant overnight. All of a sudden, my ideas were really sound. And my jokes, as you have been able to perceive, took on a new level of humor. I almost went on the comedy tour circuit. I was so funny. Now, it's interesting, the day they announced that I had decided to retire, I wasn't so smart anymore, right? And so when we take this kind of measure, that how many followers you have, or how great your position or title is, it negates the needs of the server. You're nobody, you're here just to serve me. But you know, it also negates the needs of the one who has served who finds in their lives what they think is greatness only to find that it does not often fulfill them. To take this kind of measure, this kind of metric of greatness that we have in our community, that we have in our culture, sends us down paths where we seek for purpose and meaning and fulfillment to, in paths that will only lead us to disillusionment, a sense of inadequacy, and a sense of failure. Jesus asked the disciples, who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Jesus gives the answer the disciples think is right. They're afraid to say it now because almost always when Jesus asks a question, they answer it and they have the wrong answer. This is just kind of the nature of being a disciple, it seems, for them. And so Jesus says, who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one serving them? And they don't know what to say, so they go silent. And Jesus, and Jesus says, is, is it not the one at the table? That, isn't that the person? And the disciples, I have no doubt, are relieved and thinking, yes, I finally got one right. It's the person at the table who's being served by all these servants. That's got to be it. But not so fast, grasshopper. Jesus turns the thoughts and the wisdom of the ages and values long held and understood totally upside down with a very simple statement. But I'm among you as one who serves. Raises the issue of how you see Jesus. How is this going to be guy going to be king if he's one who serves? What kind of king is that? It raises the issue of how we see Jesus. Is he still the servant? Or was that an act for while he was on earth? There's some guy who, who preaches, and I didn't bother to look him up, but uh, who has a church, who always makes a statement, I can't respect a savior I, I could beat up. Jesus must have been able to beat everybody up and bend the power. That's how we want to see Jesus, isn't it? Because it solves so many of our problems. Because then Jesus will beat somebody up for us. For Jesus, serving was not about play acting until everyone could perceive his greatness by the power of the resurrection. This wasn't a short time kind of life that Jesus was leading, a play act to go through just to make some points. Jesus, in fact, reinterprets greatness as servanthood for all time. This is not a role that Jesus played for a short period of time until we would all see that he was great. It is the very essence of his character. Jesus is telling us clearly what life is about and how it is to be lived. It is to be lived in service to others. If we want our lives to have purpose, if we want to find meaning and fulfillment, 
If we want to understand why God created us, why God created me, we will find that in service. That's how we'll become great. Now, a quick note to keep us from misunderstanding the concept of serving, because some people have been abused by that and, and send us off into some kind of wrong direction. The idea of service can, can become, at times, misdirected in our lives if we think it means letting ourselves be abused or, or, or becoming less than we actually are, not living out our gifts of God because I'm just going to be like Eeyore, you know. Thanks for noticing me. Oh, my. Right? You guys know Eeyore, Eeyore from Pooh, I hope. Uh, uh, if, if not, not you have to read that book. book. Uh, uh, but, but, but we don't want to live our gifts out. Our gifts are given to us and meant to be used in fullness to bless others. You want to be the best servant you can be and the kind of servant that God calls you to be? Be the best you you can be. Nothing less. Develop those skills, those abilities, those thoughts, those ideas that you have. Develop them and use them to serve and care for others. Jesus is telling us that service has nothing to do with economics, nothing to do with position, nothing to do with title. It has to do with how we use those things that he has given us, that we can use to serve and bless others. If you are, best at, if you are the best at something, be the best. But know that being the best does not make us any better. It simply gives us more opportunity to serve and bless others. It enables us to serve versus being served. Some of you know David Stewart and know at least the name of David Stewart. He started a small company here about 30 years ago called Worldwide Technology with he and one other person. Uh, it's got that big building down there off of 270 and now. And it's about a 13, 14, 15 million dollar company. I keep losing. They grow several billion every year. David is a man of deep faith, and David truly believes that God has blessed him with this and others who've helped develop this company simply to be a blessing to others. If you're around David very long, you will hear him quote the words, the, the, the scripture, to whom much is given, much is required. And so he sees this billion, multi-billion dollar company that he has built as being God's gift to him to help him serve others. It really isn't a gift to him, it's a gift to, to everyone so that God can bless others. That's what we're talking about here. Not, I'm now a powerful man, I'm a billionaire, I can do what I want, go where I want, make people do what I want. No, it's about how can I serve you. And if you're around David very long, you know it's sincere. It's sincere. He truly wants to find out how to help you, how he can bless you, because he believes that you're blessing his life also. Even if you only have a penny to your name, he believes that an encounter with you is a blessing for him. Our gifts, our talents, our resources are not to become entitlements for us. They are to become empowerments for us to serve others. The call to each of us who want to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment, and yes, even greatness in our lives, as measured by the one who holds the true measuring stick, the one who sets this irregular metric is a call to service. If you want to find yourself, serve. Jesus shows us on the last night of his life what it means to be great. It means to serve. Jesus noted he was eager to serve. Back, back earlier as he's instituting and re reinterpreting the, the Passover meal as the Lord's Supper, he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. Like Jesus, we should eagerly seek opportunities to serve, 
even when it's not easy to implement the service. Listen, if you want to be a servant, it doesn't make it easy. It isn't like, oh, I'll serve and everything will be great in my life. No, sometimes it's really challenging to serve. Jesus understands what his serving means for his life on this night of all nights, but he still takes it on eagerly. The call of God on our lives is not always easy when we live as servants. Disciples will discover this as time goes on. It's not easy to be a disciple. It's not easy to be a follower of Jesus. It's not easy sometimes to that service you're called to. It is not easy, but it is rewarding. It is fulfilling. It is how we find meaning in our life and purpose in our life. And it makes us feel alive as we discover each day who we truly are as creations and children of God. Doing what God has called us to do. A sacrament is normally an ordinary item that acquires special meaning beyond itself for one who has the eyes to see. Jesus took bread. And Jesus took wine, and due to his willingness to serve, they become dispensers of grace. Sacraments. The elements of the Lord's Supper are simply symbols of what God was in reality doing with the very life of Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm willing. In God's hands, our common, ordinary, average lives become sacraments of service, dispensers of grace. Doesn't require greatness as measured by the world. It just requires a willingness to do it. That wonderful and, and just marvelous quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. A soul generated by love. And in that kind of life, we find ourselves in fullness. Service is doing what we can, not achieving greatness or making great achievements according to the world's standards. You know, we can't always choose the path we walk, but we can choose how we walk. And I read that quote this week from a guy who's been going through cancer and now serving other cancer, uh, other individuals with cancer. Service is doing what we can when we're called to do it. Service is a sacrament when it blesses those around you. Listen, I'm amazed at everything that gets done here at Dayspring. The service hearts and the servant hearts that you have. I had no clue when I sit back there about where Dr. McDonald's are sitting, the Dr. McDonald's are sitting. When I sat in that, those kind of pews, I had no clue what it took to get everything done here and all the people who did it. And then you guys lost your minds and put me up here for a little while. And, and I was amazed at all the people who every day are doing things, making calls, visiting people, taking care of the building, taking care of the finances, all the kind of things that need to be done, caring for one another, willing to step up and serve on the search committee, all those kind of things that happen here at Derrick Dayspring that no one ever knows you're doing, but it's getting done, and you are a sacrament of grace because of that. And I believe that it blesses others when you do that. And I believe that when you live that out, you're going to find your life filled with purpose and meaning and really just fulfillment. You know, even the world gets it on occasion. 
that the way to greatness is not power, it's not money, it's service. We all remember Carnegie, do we not? Great man, steel, what are we remembering for? Libraries, service to the community, not that he built a steel industry. We all remember Rockefeller, great man, wealthy, oil, what do we remember him for? Well, if you live in my world, you remember him for a foundation that puts money out into the community to do good. See, it plays out in the world. What Jesus taught us is reality. It is an irregular metric from the view of the world. But Jesus has shown over and over and over again, it lives out. God is faithful in that. This little story we have here in Luke 22, this is the... Jesus' Jesus last enacted parable for his life. i got to admit to you, sometimes I'm like the disciples. I see people doing things and wonderful things and great things and having all kinds of stuff, and I want to know where mine is. Come on! I just want a little of the spotlight, right? Just a teeny bit. Let me get out of the shadows for a minute. I want to know where mine is. I want just a little bit of the spotlight. Sometimes maybe you feel that way. I want, I want to just be great for a moment. But you know, when I feel that way, Jesus' words haunt me. But I am among you as one who serves. Amen.